Hey everybody, welcome into another podcast here on SB Nation's Maze and Brew. This is Future Brew, our Michigan football and basketball recruiting podcast. My name is Vaughn Lozon. Joining me today in New York isolation is John Simmons. John, are you uh, holding up over there okay? I know New York's been been hit pretty good, so hopefully you guys are uh, staying safe over there. Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm pretty far away from the city, so it's not definitely not as bad upstate. So uh, that's a, that's a good thing for sure. Absolutely, good to hear, man. Hope uh, you continue to stay safe, and I hope everyone listening continues to stay safe and self quarantine and do whatever you need to do to ride this all out. We're in this together, and uh, hopefully, this podcast and everything else we are uh, providing on mazeandbrew.com can uh, lift up your spirits a little bit and kind of help you get through this a little faster. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, chat real quick just about this pandemic in general and how the Big Ten uh, had announced uh, this past week that they have extended their ban on all of their organized team activities. Um, It was originally supposed to go through April 6th, which would be next week, but it is now extended until at least May 4th due to this coronavirus. And uh, uh, the Big Ten had said in that statement that they released last week that they are going to reevaluate everything uh, around May 4th. So it could get extended again. And we don't know at this point. So all we know is that it's extended for at least a, about another month uh, while we kind of just wait and see how this whole thing plays out. Uh, obviously, the numbers are increasing every day with the amount of people uh, being tested and uh, testing positive and, and unfortunately passing away. All these numbers just continue to grow uh, pretty much every moment. So hopefully by the time May 4th rolls around, uh, things will be looking a little bit brighter here. But um, at this moment, I, I'm I'm not too optimistic about it, quite honestly, John. I think it would, if anything, it would probably be extended again. And uh, that that would really hurt a lot of schools' chances with uh, trying to get some uh, recruits on campus. And I, I think this more so hurts Michigan than uh, a lot of these other programs. Because I mean, for example, Travion Henderson, who we talked about last week, committed to Ohio State, a five-star running back from Virginia, and he had not even visited uh, Ohio State. They're just one of those powerhouse tank programs right now that you don't really need a kid to visit campus to uh, get, get a feel for everything and, and lock in a commitment. Michigan, I feel like, is a school that you need to go to uh, to visit at least once to get a feel for everything, especially the academic side of things. Michigan is more uh, prevy to that than uh, the Ohio States of the world. So uh, what's your reaction on all of this, John? Do you think it'll be extended again? And uh, how do you think this just hurts uh, programs in general, but more so Michigan? Yeah, I wasn't really surprised that it got extended. Um, You know, kind of honestly, in my mind, I was kind of just imagining that most things would be shut down until at least June. So, you know, this official announcement to the beginning of May doesn't really move the needle for me much. But I definitely do think that it hurts Michigan, just in the fact that it's often been said that Michigan's best job is on when they host players for visits like they do a really good job of you know personalizing the visit to each recruit and his family's interests you know highlighting certain parts that they want to see the most and what they're weighing heavily 
and you know Michigan's not really a program like Ohio State that can just point to the wins on the field and their trophy case lately and say you know we're going to develop you um they're they have to kind of build those relationships in person and put and show um what you know being at Michigan's all about um you know because they have they have a pretty rich history that they can emphasize things like that um that's kind of hard to convey uh you know through a zoom or a facetime with the coaching staff so yeah the the lack of uh recruiting visits kind of takes away Michigan's best recruiting uh you know aspect of their whole operation so I think it definitely hurts in that way hopefully they can the this can clear up by the end of June and they can have their you know traditional big recruiting weekends and then the barbecue at the big house over the summer um you know who knows if they if the NCAA allows um you know uh, an open recruiting period over the summer which is usually a dead period um you know they just waived the senior season for all the guys that would have missed the spring uh season this like that would be happening right now so i think they're they're they are reacting to this kind of unprecedented situation so hopefully they can Mm -hmm. figure out some solutions to help teams get spring practices in and get into normal recruiting visits as they would yeah, that's a really interesting point too. With with the team that we got right now, is these these kids, especially these freshmen coming in, aren't it really able to get these practices under their belt and and get everything that they need to get in early on in the off season uh, to prepare them for their freshman year? Um, it'll certainly be interesting to see if they do end up uh, allowing these programs to have practices. Uh, furthering into June and, and, and places like that uh, months along the road. Uh, certainly will be interesting to see how all this plays out. But I, I want to go back to your point with Michigan recruiting, uh, bringing kids in and, and how they do well with these campus visits. It, it seems like every time that Michigan brings in these these big high-profile names over the summer, it's typically for the barbecue at the big house, and that's always the one real big recruiting weekend on the calendar every summer. They typically have one in June as well, uh, typically towards the end of June, right before the dead period hits. And then right when the dead period is lifted, they'll have their barbecue at the big house. And uh, most of the time, these kids that come for these events end up either committing on the spot at these events, or they'll do it in the ensuing day or two afterwards. So if these events, like you had mentioned, uh, that Michigan ends up uh, having to cancel or things along those lines, I mean, this is going to be a huge detriment on the Michigan program uh, for bringing in, first of all, bringing in these kids and then allowing them to enjoy the time with the other recruits and maybe uh, convince the other recruits who are kind of on the edge of committing or, or maybe on the edge of, of locking in another future visit. Uh, they wouldn't really be able to do that anymore if they can't get these kids uh, to, to visit and to visit in bulk like they do typically in June and July. So uh, this would be a huge detriment to Michigan's football or recruiting in the 2021 class at the very least because um, it's just at this point it, they don't really have a ton going for them at the moment and we'll get into a little bit of that later on with one of the uh, kids that committed elsewhere. Uh, but it, it, things could get pretty grim, honestly, John. I, I don't want to be too much of a negative Nancy here, but uh, it, it just, if this continues to go on 
uh, longer than I anticipate, at least, uh, things could get pretty, uh, pretty interesting for the 2021 class. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on the kid. I think a lot of guys are definitely uh, pushing back their recruiting schedule. You know, guys like Rocco Spender, who are gonna, who's gonna announce like his top five in May and take his officials, is gonna have to push that back a little bit. And with all this like time, extra time, it, it kind of allows chances for other schools to kind of catch up on their leads that they had. Um, that Michigan had uh, kind of established already. So a, a school like Michigan State that just hired Mel Tucker, I think is kind of benefiting actually because they uh, can get these, the, the kids can't go anywhere, but they can talk to the kids all day through text and FaceTime. And then when the band lifts, they can go, like the kid will say, oh, I'm more interested in Michigan State than I was before because all this time to contact them and maybe they move up the list. With Michigan, they've been on these guys for a long time. Usually they're the first offer for kids a, a big portion of the time. And it just often other schools are playing catch up, but now they, the coaches have to fight to maintain their lead. Um, you know, also the Michigan staff is doing that to other guys. They're using the time, you know, Lorenzo Styles and Notre Dame commit. Uh, Michigan staff was FaceTiming with him and they'll probably get a visit after. So it works both ways, but yeah, it's definitely a, a, just a matter of, staying on top of these guys, contacting them every day, uh, trying to make yourself stand out against what I'm imagining, just a wave of text messages and whatever, everything to the, the kids and stuff, trying to get them to call them. Yeah, that's that's the big thing that these coaches are going to have to continue to do is is uh, just keep calling, keep, keep badgering these kids because if they don't, then these other coaches will do just that. And I know that – James Franklin has taken advantage of the op- opportunity to uh, FaceTime with these kids, and he's he's done so. I think he had FaceTimed with, uh, uh, I think it was Rocco. Was it not Rocco? Yeah, he was on him and the Phil Trout one, the new yes, offensive line. Yes, their coach. new O-line coach. Uh, yeah, they FaceTimed with Rocco Spindler, um, obviously a big-time recruit for Michigan um, in this 2021 class. So, yeah, I mean, you, you got to just jump in on the opportunity when the opportunity presents itself. And at this point, that's kind of just what these coaches are going to have to do. They got to adapt all the time. I feel like that's just what coaching is, is just uh, adjusting and adapting to the situation. That's kind of just how football plays itself out. So now these coaches just got to do it on the recruiting trail. Can't go visit kids and they can't come visit you. So you just got to go out of your way and give these kids a phone call or a FaceTime or a Skype or whatever it is. So Hopefully they continue to do that at a successful rate because it it seems like at least that they've been able to do so with a good amount of kids that they've been going after. Uh, If you hadn't seen my article on mazebrew.com, you can go check it out. I I had talked with uh, a a wide receiver in this 2021 class, three-star from Hawaii, uh, Titus Mokiao Atimalawa. And uh, he's listed as an athlete on 24-7, but uh, being recruited as – uh, a, a wide receiver and Notre Dame's going after him right now as well. And, and Sean Nua and Jim Harbaugh had FaceTimed him and uh, it sounded like they did a really good job FaceTiming him, honestly, because after they had talked with him, uh, Sean Nua had wanted to talk to his parents and he got to talk to his, uh, to Titus's parents for a little bit there. He said it was about a 30 or 45 minute phone call or FaceTime call, I should say. And uh, 
sounds like they knocked it out of the park just being able to convince him that uh, he's a priority. And uh, he said that once uh, this whole uh, crazy recruiting ban is over, that he's going to officially visit Michigan. That will be one of his five, uh, along with Notre Dame, who is the presumed leader at this point. But uh, things change on the fly all the time. So uh, Michigan and Notre Dame have some uh, recruiting battles uh, under their belt for sure. So could be another one. Uh, But at the very least, John, it sounds like uh, Jim Harbaugh and and the assistant coaches are uh, adapting very well. It seems like they have went out of their way to to reach out to these kids and uh, just, you know, keep on keeping on, I guess. Yeah, and I know they're getting their virtual visits set up. I know Kansas was the first one to kind of set up visits for their kids, you know, walk with uh, videos that walk them through their facilities and things like that. And uh, Michigan's definitely working on that right now um, with all the, you know, the tech people there. They Mm -hmm. should be able to put together a really good presentation, I think. Um, And so, yeah, just uh, you can kind of see coaches are reaching out to new, new guys every day. Um, I know Mike Zordich has been offering or been in contact with a couple cornerback prospects. Um, so just kind of, yeah, using the time to evaluate more film and find guys that you like and contacting them, staying in touch. And then, yeah, when the when this whole thing passes over and kids can visit again, uh, just lot, make assuring that you're going to be one of the schools that they check out. I feel like this entire thing may have uh, an impact on – the recruiting rankings too, when, when everything finally settles and if it extends that long, like, and I, I surely hope it doesn't. And I honestly, at this point, don't think it will, but if it does extend into the football season where you're going to have to cancel games or, you know, what have you, I, I feel like that could have a big impact on recruiting rankings and the evaluations that these coaches go through now with, with senior highlight reels not really being made available. And, you know, I mean, so many things change from a junior year to a senior year. We've seen it quite a bit. AJ Henning, for example, it blew up his junior year and then his senior year. He was still highly ranked and he still ended up being Michigan's highest ranked recruit, but he had an injury and made him go down probably about 50 or so spots in the final ranking. So uh, things change all the time. I feel like uh, that could have a pretty big impact on, the rankings and the way that these coaches evaluate these kids when it's all said and done too, John. Yeah. You think of a kid like Pius Ojugo, the, the in-state guy. Great uh, example. Tackle that uh, he said that the coaches were waiting. Uh, they wanted him to camp uh, when they usually have their uh, camps in June. Um, he wanted them to, you know, work out for them and wait on his SAT score. Well, now both the camp and SAT dates are getting canceled. So it's kind of, what do the coaches do? Probably just wait until senior season comes out, senior film, um, you know, is released in, you know, late November, December. That's pretty close to signing day, um, which makes you think that a lot of kids are going to kind of hold off on the first signing period more than the last couple of years, I'd say. Um, and some later decisions are going to have to be made. Um, you know, a guy like Dominic G, uh, was it G Deuce, the, New Michigan commit. I know it's not pronounced exactly how it's spelled, um, but he was probably another guy that would uh, benefit from going to these camps and kind of because he doesn't face top competition every in his league in New Jersey. So being able to prove himself against top guys in the area 
would would do a lot for his ranking. It's a really good point, honestly. I mean, you know, with these kids that, yeah, like Pius, for example, that's, I mean, that's a make or break for a scholarship for him. Um, so hopefully things go well with, with that and we'll certainly see how the, all of this plays out. But yeah, I mean, this has just been a huge thorn in everyone's and everything aside at this point, this, this whole pandemic um, it, impacting it in more ways than just visits. That's for sure. It has been uh, impacting pretty much every aspect that you could think of. And then some others that you could probably uh, just assume and, and some that you don't even think of. It, it's just uh, all over the place, whether you want it there or not. So Certainly interesting, John. Um, I, I, I feel like well, – let me just ask you this, though. Well, when do you think realistically uh, all of these bans and, and things like that uh, will, will be lifted? Do you have any idea when you think it might? Obviously, we're not doctors on this podcast, so we're, we're just two, two uh, recruiting nerds just uh, trying to fill the time here. But when do you think this will all be over and, and people can cannot be germaphobes and can go outside and, and go visit uh, Ann Arbor if you wanted to or, or take a, a recruiting trip to South Bend or what have you? When do you think this is all going to subside? In my extremely uneducated guess, I'd say probably around, hopefully around July 1st um, once the summer rolls around. But then, you know, you have guys like Kirk Herbstreet saying he doesn't think football will be played this year but it's kind of we'll all have to wait and see things change every day so that i i would i would hope july but then again who really knows can you imagine if football was not played i mean i i think i'd actually lose my mind yeah i can't imagine going a whole year without no no like i like i i'm still trying to take in the fact that there's no march madness this year i i mean i've been i've been watching classic March Madness games for the last few weeks now, uh, just trying to relive some of it and, and find some joy. But I, I'm still trying to get over the fact that we won't have a tournament this year. I mean, it's just, it's terrible. It, it is, it's a nightmare uh, that has become reality. So if there's no football, um, we're going to have some problems. But I mean, there would be a ton of other problems that we could talk about for for hours and hours, and that's probably best saved for another podcast, and we'll definitely cross that bridge uh, when and if we get there. So, um, okay, John, well, hey, let's take a, a quick break here. We'll come back. We had a, a few commitments uh, roll through uh, this past week, a couple that went Michigan's way, one that did not go Michigan's way. So we'll talk about all of those uh, coming up next year. So stick around. We will be right back. And we are back. We are going to wrap up today's podcast with some commitments, which is uh, a rarity uh, around these parts nowadays with uh, everything that's been going on. And uh, it doesn't seem like uh, – I just didn't think that these would have happened so soon, John. Um, let's talk real quick about uh, a guy that we talked about very briefly in the last segment. And uh, I, again, like you, I don't know how to pronounce this kid's name. Dominic is definitely his first name. His last name, I think you pronounced it, what, Judice? Or... Yeah, I've heard it like Judas or... Judas? I think two syllables. Judas. Yeah. Okay. Well, regardless of whatever his last name is, we'll, we'll call him Dominic Judas for, for the podcast and we'll try and uh, get some better intel on how to pronounce that last name. Maybe Jacob Shames knows because he uh, interviewed his uh, high school coach. Uh, another interview that you can see on amazingbrew.com. 
Judas, he is a uh, listed as a weak side defensive end on 24-7, six foot four, 250 pounds out of Matter Day in Freehold, New Jersey. So uh, the competition that he's playing over in New Jersey isn't the greatest, but he is a, a very low three star. Uh, he is ranked as the 1,187th overall player in uh, the 2021 class on the uh, composite rankings here. John, what do you think of this kid? Uh, it's pretty uh, interesting that Michigan offered him on the same day that he committed. I mean, I'm not surprised that he would commit or he would at least try to commit after receiving the Michigan offer, given the other offers that he had. I am surprised that Michigan would take his commitment at this point in the cycle. Um, I know this is kind of a pet peeve of yours about them oh, taking yeah. guys too early when they don't need to be. And certainly this is uh, another going to be the token guy for that this cycle, I'd say, you know, kind of in the, the mold of a Tyrese Woods or a Maury Pesic Hickson, guys like this who don't really have, like seemingly come out of nowhere and uh, doesn't seem to be the caliber of Michigan's uh, at the start. And uh, sometimes they stick around and sometimes they don't. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see throughout this uh the cycle, but yeah, he's ranked around where Gage Garcia was last year, and he's going to be a preferred walk-on, we think. So, uh, yeah, it's been said that it doesn't won't affect how they pursue uh, their other defensive end targets, guys like Quentin Somerville, Aaron Arbitage, guys like that. But when you say that, then just kind of wonder why they took the commitment to begin with. That doesn't really, uh, you know, kind of avoid or doesn't really answer the question of why they needed mm-hmm. to accept. Yeah, it's it's an interesting interesting case here because I had not heard of this kid obviously uh, until they ended up offering him, and then I saw that you know not very long after the fact that they offered him is is when he had committed, which it just doesn't happen very often. Um, I'm certainly not surprised that he did commit just because, like you had mentioned all the other offers that he have uh, or that he has, they're pretty much uh, either Mac schools or uh, like army air force, uh, you know, service Academy schools like that. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to roll through here. I mean, he, he had some, some interest from uh, Rutgers in Wisconsin, but he didn't even get an offer from, from Rutgers. Um, so certainly an interesting case. Um, it, we'll definitely try and learn some more here, but um, it s- sounds like uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he ended up being like you had mentioned with Gage Garcia being uh, kind of like a uh, like a walk on later down the road or something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you nailed it. This this is quite the pet peeve of mine. If you're wanting to compete with the 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 big boys on. Uh, the playground, uh, like Ohio State and schools like that. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to shame the kid by any means because I'm sure he's a good kid and a hard worker and things along those lines. But uh, I would be putting my recruiting efforts elsewhere uh, over a kid that, uh, you know, I've personally never heard of before. But that's why I don't uh, work for Michigan. I don't recruit for Michigan. I don't do anything for Michigan. So they, they've got uh, the intel. They've obviously liked his film is what uh, they had said or what he had said is that uh, they had saw his film and, and really liked it and decided to pull the trigger and offer him. 
Uh, moving forward, though, I think it'll be interesting to see where he projects once he gets to Michigan. I feel like he would probably be more so a uh, like an anchor, a defensive end, more than a, uh, a rush end. Uh, but just seeing the very limited film that I've seen on him, I feel like he would probably be an anchor. What say you, John? Yeah, I definitely think he's better suited towards the anchor role where he goes against tight ends as more of a run defender. I don't think he has the get-off or the bend to kind of be a, a pass rusher, which the, the weak side provides. Um, he also yeah. said he's 262 now, which uh, means that he'll probably end up moving down to defensive tackle by the time he's at Michigan and gets into the weight program there because that's only 20 or so pounds away from the, you know, that three tech role, which I think would be better for him. He's, he is good at, you know, disengaging blocks. I wrote up that scouting report on him on the site and he has, yep. he's good at getting past blockers. I mean, he, the 24 sevens East coast X for Brian Doan said that he didn't face an FBS lineman all year. So, you know, he, absolutely stuffed the statue he had uh was it 28 sacks and 43 tackles for loss i think it was 24 sacks and yeah i believe it was 24 sacks yeah yeah like obviously he can get to the the passer but he's not going against the greatest competition um but yeah he i think he'll be best in the at the three tech role where his pass rushing skills kind of uh take more weight down there um, I know that before he's not quite an unknown to the Michigan staff uh, before he uh, committed or before he left Anthony Campanile was recruiting him a little bit uh, told him that he liked his film and stuff and then it was good enough for Sean Nua to pick it up once he got hired and uh, decide to offer him so he's had multiple coaches like him they've been on him for a couple of months so while he may not be a super well-known guy to even you know hardcore recruiting followers like we are he is someone that the staff's been on for for a while yeah i it's interesting to think that that they have been on him for a while though just the fact that you know he he's not a a kid that plays great competition like you had mentioned that he hasn't played a fbs offensive lineman all season and uh, filled up the stat sheet quite nicely but if you're doing that against pipsqueak competition it doesn't really mean all that much. So uh, certainly interesting that, that they've been on him for a little bit, but I guess uh, they were comfortable enough for him to commit pretty much on the spot um, after they had offered him. So uh, we'll be interesting to see down the line where he ends up playing. But I think uh, you had, you had kind of uh, briefly mentioned it right at the end of your scouting article that, you know, guys like Aaron Lewis and Chris Jenkins coming in, are going to be ahead of them for a while. And then, of course, the kids in the 2019 class, like you mentioned, uh, Gabe Newberg and Mike Morris, they're going to be ahead of him as well. So likely if if he ends up seeing the field uh, on defense, it, it'll be, man, probably, what, 2023 or 2024, I would, I would anticipate. I, I, I think the earliest he would see playing time on defense consistently would be sometime in that 2024 range. So it would be quite a while. Um, just just with you scouting him, John, is there anything that, that you think that could make him a pretty decent uh, defensive player in the future? And what, what else does he really need to work on? He's definitely a grinder. He's never going to give up with the play. He goes uh, hair, like his hair is on fire. You know, every play he brings up 
every interview I've seen with him or his coach has brought up that he's relentless. So that clearly stands out. You know, he doesn't have the quite the physical tools like other guys do that would lead him to be higher rank, but he makes up for it in that with that uh work that motor, um, kind of like that Chase Winovich mentality where you never give up and, you know, don't want to sub out any play, um, which is probably how he racks up a lot of these stacks stats too. Um, another one I like is he is good at uh, beating the blockers with his hands. Um, he has good timing. He's able to uh, disengage if the guy gets his hands on him, slap him away. He has a couple good pass rush moves there um, that he uses to get by guys. And uh, once he's in the backfield, he, he always keeps his eye on the QB or the, the running back. Uh, as he's rushing around guys, I know you know Michigan had a has a had a problem the last couple of years with guys just flying upfield and leaving uh, lanes for QBs to scramble and stuff. And I don't think that would happen with a guy like Dominic at the end uh, position. He always keeps his eyes in the backfield and uh, he can adjust quickly on the fly if he sees a guy leaking out. Cool. Well, it certainly will be interesting to see how everything shapes out here with him. But uh, definitely important to know that Michigan is not going to stop recruiting defensive tackles or defensive linemen, uh, period, just because they got the one commitment. They're going after several pretty big-time guys there, but we'll talk about them in a later podcast. Let's move on to offensive line and a couple guys here. Uh, to certainly talk about uh, commitment-wise, Greg Crippen, a uh, offensive or uh, interior offensive lineman. He's a uh, six foot four, two eighty-five. Uh, plays his high school ball at a, a place that you may have heard of before, IMG Academy down at Brandon, Florida. He is the two hundred twenty-second ranked player on the composite ranking. Here, he was once committed to Notre Dame. Uh, ended up decommitting not long ago and then committed to Michigan probably about two or three weeks after he had uh, decommitted. So uh, they're recruiting him to play either guard or center. I was able to catch up with him after the fact, after he had committed. And uh, he had said that uh, his his relationships with uh, the entire staff are, are pretty good and that they never stopped recruiting him even when he was committed to Notre Dame. Uh, he's planning on going to business, so obviously the uh, Ross Business School is a, a, a premier school for him. And uh, he was uh, actually uh, has a, a, a few ties here with uh, teammates. He, he had played with DJ Turner his uh, sophomore season at IMG. And uh, from the 2020 class, he had said that uh, in the past he's talked to Kalel Mullings, Zach Zinter, and uh, Iman Dennis. So he, uh, he he definitely knows his way around the program. And uh, he, he's talked with uh, J.J. McCarthy and uh, Giovanni Alhadi as well. And uh, it's certainly an interesting addition, a good addition. Four-star kid. Uh, again, another commitment here that uh, Ed Warner just kept going after, even when he was committed to Notre Dame. And uh, you would figure that he'll probably play either a left guard, center, or right guard once he gets to college, just depending on what they need. And uh, if they're able to uh, get Raheem Anderson on board, uh, he would probably be the center in this class. But a lot to like from Greg Crippen. He is a, a, a very highly talented player and a, a, a definitely a welcome addition to the program for sure. Yeah, given you just tell with how long Ed Warner's been after him that uh, – 
he can he thinks that Crippen's going to be a special player. You know, not giving up through Notre Dame commitment like uh, you and him talked about. Um, he was through going through Massachusetts to Florida, never gave up. Um, so that's that's it gives you a good feeling about what the staff thinks about him. Um, I like him definitely. On he's a good uh, guy in the move. He's got good fo- footwork when he uh, goes downfield or goes to the second level. Um, I think he's pretty advanced as a as a pass blocker too. He has really good timing on his punch and uh, uh, is able to readjust his hands if a uh, defensive lineman gets locked in there. Um, I'd like him to work on his. I think he needs to work on his run game more than his pass game, which is pretty rare for a, a yeah. high school offensive lineman. But I think it's just kind of like the IMG thing where you you are going to get a chance to play in a more college system. I know they run like a a pretty hurry up spread offense that passes the ball pretty often. Um, so uh, I think he needs to get a little bit stronger. Um, yeah, he could probably play center or guard. I think a lot of people are saying he's going to be a center. That's where Michigan wants him, and that's kind of what the evaluators see him as. But I kind of think he'll be better as a guard. Um, he won't have to worry about snapping the ball and can get that first step downfield, um, which is uh, one of, I think, his uh, – habits that he needs to work on better and you can utilize a more pulling and getting him in space. So we'll see how that goes. Michigan's got a lot of really talented interior linemen that are young right now. So he's also got a crowded uh, depth chart ahead of him. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, you figure that Zach Carpenter will probably be next in line there to take over at center. And uh, if he ends up doing that, he'll probably be there for a while. So yeah, definitely. I think the fastest path to playing time would probably be at left or right guard. And uh, like I said earlier, I I think a little bit of it depends on if they're ending up. uh, Well, it it sounds like they're going to continue recruiting Raheem Anderson, who's a four-star interior offensive lineman uh, from Detroit, who you figure that would uh, probably play uh, center in college as well. That's where they've been recruiting him primarily. So uh, we'll be interesting to see if uh, if they end up getting him on board where everything all uh, shifts and, and plays out for, for these kids. But uh, definitely a welcome addition there. A kid that uh, they weren't able to get a commitment from, John, that I, I was actually pretty uh, pretty surprised here that uh, he ended up committing elsewhere is uh, Caleb Tiernan, big, a big uh, offensive tackle from uh, Livonia, uh, Detroit Country Day. He's 6'7", 280. He committed to Northwestern over uh, the weekend, three-star kid. Uh, it committed Northwestern over Michigan and Ohio State and Michigan State, among others. Uh, definitely a big loss here, John. Um, now obviously, they're going after some other offensive linemen here in this class, but Ed Warner had been in on uh, Tiernan for a while. He was being recruited to be what you would imagine to be the left tackle in this class, but uh, now he's going to be going elsewhere. Uh, they really, really liked him at left tackle. Um, so they're going to just going to have to look elsewhere at this point. They, they're in on a few other guys like David Davikov and, and some of the other higher ranked kids that I don't think they really have much of a chance with at this point, like uh, Nolan Rucci and uh, some kids like that. But uh, either way you draw it up, uh, this is a loss nonetheless. And uh, obviously it just appears that Academics were still a factor here, but wanted to get out of town and, and go check out a, a a different experience and a different program in a different state. So not much you can really do here if you're Ed Warner in Michigan other than just uh, put your uh, put your head down and just get back to work. 
Yeah, I was pretty shocked when uh, this happened. Uh, you know, his crystal ball started flipping, and all of a sudden he committed. And like you said, the reason that was given was there wasn't really anything Michigan did wrong here. They had been the leader for what seemed like forever. Um, but then the Tiernan just decided that he wanted to be uh, wanted to stretch his wings a little bit and go to uh, another really good academic school um, and kind of get to see different part of the country. Um, you know, you also have to tip your cap to uh, Northwestern's offensive line coach, Kurt Anderson, who is a Michigan man. He played at Michigan, so that kind of hurts that he stole a guy right out from under their nose. Um, but he's doing a really good job there. He landed uh, the Pete Skaronsky, who was a five-star 24-7 the center last year. So he's been doing a really good job and probably a potential coach to keep an eye on down the road for maybe a Michigan role. Um, but right now he scores one for the Wildcats there. And that, that definitely hurts. Um, now that he's off the board, you know, they're saying that the staff's kind of going after Tristan Bounds, the tackle from uh, Connecticut, who is, I think, even taller than Tierney. He's like six, seven and a half. He's got a half inch on him. Um, another yeah, he's a tall kid. Body frame type. So, yeah, it kind of just seems like you got your tackle, guard, center, and then you got like the freaky – tall lean guy as a separate offensive line position that they try to fill every year. And I bring, I brought that up with Tiernan a lot. And now it seems like Bounds is the guy that they want with that frame to develop. Certainly. No, I, I look, I can't blame him for wanting to get out of state, get a new experience in. Uh, it seems like he, he's uh, really enjoyed the relationships growing with uh, the Northwestern coaches and, uh, you know, a- any school that has a Lou Malnati's pizzeria in it in the same city, I I can't blame him for wanting to go there. You have you ever been to Chicago and had Lou Malnati's? I've been to Chicago. I haven't had Lou Malnati's. Oh man, I'm look. If there's anything that uh, my good friend Anthony Broom and I live off of when we go to Chicago, it's Lou Malnati's. It's we're not endorsed by Lou Malnati's by any means, but if you guys ever go to Chicago, you got to have it. And uh, so, yes, keep that in mind, John. So I, I certainly cannot blame uh, Tiernan for wanting to commit to Northwestern because that would probably be the only diet that I had. Um, but nonetheless, no, they, they've still got some uh, some good tackle prospects here in this class that they're going after. I would anticipate them getting uh, at least one more um, one more tackle, at least with uh, with David Davikov. Um you know, we'll, we'll see how everything else plays out and, you know, if they end up evaluating some uh, senior film, if they get to that point. But uh, I would anticipate them probably taking a few more offensive linemen here in this class. And I don't know, who knows? Maybe they pick up the pace with uh, Garrett Dellinger if uh, if they want to, uh, um, you know, get in on him with Rocco. Um, you know, there's a lot of time to, to think things over with this whole uh, in-person recruiting ban. So we'll certainly see how everything plays out. Um, John, I think, I think that's about it. Did you have any other comments on, uh, any of these commitments or, uh, pizza pizza? What's your favorite pizza? You like New York style? Uh, yeah. New York style for sure. That's the best. I mean, Detroit's pretty good too. I like theirs. Uh, you know, going to college there, I had plenty of Detroit pizza as well, but oh, yeah, yeah. New York's the classic. It's the best for a reason. New York's pretty good. I, I do love my Detroit style pizza. Um, you know, with buddies, buddies is great. Jets is pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, like it's like I say, if you next time you go to Chicago, 
you got to get a Lou Malnati's. You won't, uh, you will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's about all the time we have. I didn't mean to turn this into a food review at the very end here, but that's just how, uh, stuff plays out when you're, uh, in isolation and, uh, desperate to talk about things just in general. So, uh, uh, thank you for joining us this week on a future brew. We'll be back hopefully next week. If uh, there's anything to report on, we will certainly do so. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon and John, where are you at on Twitter? At Simmons underscore John. And follow Maze and Brew on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Give Maze and Brew a like on Facebook and on Instagram and be sure to uh, rate and subscribe to all of our podcasts here on uh, the podcast platform. So hopefully we'll be back next week. We will uh, evaluate things. And if there's anything to talk about, uh, you can certainly uh, expect us to talk about it. So for John Simmons, I am Vaughn Lozon. We'll talk to you soon and go blue.